The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Man, oh man, without games, it is real hard to remember what day of the week it is. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It's Tuesday, or so the calendar tells me. Once again, Dan flips through to figure out what the hell day of the week it is. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And this is a hoop ball presentation. You guys know that by now. Hoopball is hoop-ball.com. And the Twitter handle for our news feed is at HoopBallFantasy. We've got the continuing contest to tell you about today. I have some stuff I got to push on you over at HoopBallHQ. And got kind of a fun thing to work on today. Today and tomorrow, I went back and forth on what order I actually wanted to do things here. Today and tomorrow are really about things to work on for the second half of the season. And you guys know I'm a Roto guy. Yes, I play in some head-to-head leagues, but I think overall, Roto is the more fair iteration of fantasy basketball. Because no individual day can sink a season. Yes, one day could move you, you know, from first to second or second to third or whatever that is. And and if it happens on the last day, then yeah, absolutely, that sucks. But if you have a day, like, say, I'll use one of my own, for example. There was a day about three weeks ago where... I had eight guys in a head-to-head league that were supposed to play on, I think it was the last Saturday. I don't think it was a Sunday. I think it was the last Saturday or Saturday of the, at the end of the week. And one out of the eight guys played. If that's a Roto League, I'm like, oh, damn, that's annoying. But, you know, if their games got postponed, they'll make them up later. If they missed a game, they missed a game. You know, BFD. Be big bleeping deal. Head-to-head league, I went from up 5-4 to down 6-3 because of that. That could be the difference in making the playoffs. One day. One day. So while I do still think that's head-to-head, especially this year, is just downright stupid, I'm in some, and I know many of you are as well. I use that as a segue to say, in one of the next two shows, today or tomorrow, was how I was putting all this together in my head, we are going to be doing schedule analysis-related things. Actually, kind of both shows, but then... Sort of two different tacks at it. One of them, which is geared more towards the head-to-head audience, is going to analyze what the second half of the season looks like in terms of kind of how to, how to build your team. What are you what are you attempting to do? When are your fantasy playoffs? How does that stack up against what this schedule has before you? I will once again use my own league as an example. Uh, The head-to-head league I'm in that I've been in forever is uh, 16 weeks long, I believe. And we're... um, What the hell week are we in right now? All-Star week is week uh, 11. Yeah, week 11, which is a two-week week. week. (laughs) Annoying to say. Uh, So 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. That'd be five regular season weeks left. Which takes us to I've I've truly I've forgotten what day these all happen. Um, so this week, week eleven, takes us through March fourteenth, the twelfth through the twenty first, 
13th through the 28th, 14th through April 4th, 15th through the 11th, 16th through the 18th. Jesus, this league, does this league go to the end of the regular season? Yeesh. Well, in any event, uh, some of your leagues might end a week earlier or a week and a half earlier or whatever the hell that might be. So look at your playoffs, grade them out, and I've decided I'd rather do that tomorrow. I want to do that on tomorrow's show because I don't think that that's actually going to change strategy for you guys as imminently as what I want to talk about on today's podcast, which is teams that had games postponed in the first half of the year because there's actually a pretty big gap in how many games certain teams have left on their schedule as opposed to uh, how many games... Like the Grizzlies, for instance. I know I sort of lost my thought in the middle of the sentence. The Grizzlies have a bunch of games left. Uh, they've played 32. So they still have 44 games left on the docket. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. They have uh, 40 left on the docket. It's a 72-game season. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. Forgot how to count. So... This is a team that, thanks to a COVID outbreak, was a real pain in the ass to have the first half of the season. And now they are loaded, absolutely loaded to the hilt. And they're not the only one. And the reason I bring that up is not necessarily because I think you guys need to, in in a head-to-head format at least, do I think you guys need to target a ton of Grizzlies? Um... Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. These teams that have the most games left are are likely to have the best playoff schedules. The Grizzlies, the Spurs, each with 40 games left, and they each have, uh, if you're looking the last week and a half, if you put that last week and a half all into sort of one big old bucket, they have, I think, a 13-game playoff burst, and Memphis has a 13-game playoff burst. But, like, the Bucks, for instance... They didn't, I don't think they had any games postponed in the first half, but how many have they played to this point? Bucks have played 36? Yes, they're exactly at the halfway point. They actually happen to have a very good playoff schedule. So today's discussion is less about head-to-head and more about Roto, because while the Bucks might only play one fewer game than the Grizzlies in your head-to-head playoffs, if that's the way it all shakes out, I think. I think the Lakers actually are 12 those last three days. Like, there are teams that played normal first-half schedules where I think the Lakers actually played more games than half. Yeah, they're at 37. So this isn't about that. Very long-winded. That's... Sorry, guys. I am long-winded. You're used to that by now. It's a very long way of saying today's show is actually more about the aggregate. There are six teams in the NBA that played at least two games under halfway. So basically, I eliminated every team that's at 35 games and up, 36 being the halfway point. Anything at 36, you're exactly the average. Anything above it, you have kind of a clunky second half. And and maybe we should have gone into that a tiny bit more as well. In fact, screw it. Let's add that to the end of the list today. Uh, But I mostly want to talk about ways that you can use this information to impact your Roto League. Not as much in head-to-head, okay? So today we're diving into Roto. And here's what we're going to do. We are going to look at the players that have at least, or I should say have uh, underplayed the average marker by at least two games. 
and try to figure out if there's anyone in there that's worth making what would at least on paper look like a completely harebrained trade offer that might pan its way out when you're getting an extra five or six games out of them. By the way, the list of teams that has gone over the 36 mark is uh, pretty low. There's actually only five teams that are over 36 games. The Lakers, the Warriors, the Nets, and the Knicks have each played 37. The Clippers have played 38. So the Clippers actually have the worst schedule the rest of the way of any team in the NBA. And this is notable. The Raptors? Are the Raptors also in that mix? Uh, no, Toronto just has... Uh, yeah, there's, there's a counting issue on the page I'm looking at right now. And that, by the way, that includes teams that are only one game over the average mark. I didn't even include the 35ers on the underside. And so I think you can probably, at least to some degree, you can throw out the 37ers on the overside, but we'll leave them on there just for, uh, for Thorough's sake. So let's go through the six teams that have missed at least two games or just were underscheduled by at least two games and now have an opportunity to be extra valuable the second half of the year just because of an ability to compile a few more stats. And this is relevant for players, we'll say top, well, we'll it's a buffer, but we're not looking for like top 100 guys who have two extra ball games. That's not going to be a big difference maker. And, and here's the example of why. I'm circling the the discussion on this. Mason Plumley and Bobby Portis. Perfect example. Those are guys who are ranked 98 and 99 on a per-game basis. Bobby Portis has played exactly two more games than Mason Plumley, and he's ranked 65th, where Plumley is ranked 74th overall on the year. They have a difference in value of about six one-hundredths of an average player which is not completely insignificant, but also not a huge deal because let's say you wanted to play... By the way, those guys are actually the... I mean, they have the exact same ranking on a per-game basis, so we we only we kind of needed to actually compare someone who was slightly above the guy who played two extra games. The reason I bring this up is because you can probably stream someone that's inside the top 100 for two games to make up that difference. Here's a better uh, point of comparison. Uh, Mason Plumley uh, has played 34 games. He's ranked 99th. Nerlens Noel has played 32 games. He's ranked 89th on a per-game basis. So what does that two-game difference actually mean? Uh, well, what did, where did we just tell you Mason Plumley was? He was number 74 uh, on a per-game basis. Nerlens Noel is basically a dead heat. He's right behind him at 76. So getting an extra two games out of a top 100 versus top 90 kind of guy is... Small potatoes. What about getting, and this is an important point here, like let's say you had LeBron on your team who has 37 maximum games left on his docket. He's number 31 in 9-cat this year. I know, that's probably blew a couple of people's minds. We were very down on LeBron. I was down on Anthony Davis too, but I didn't think it was going to be this bad for him. Uh, And you compare that, say... To, I don't know, is there anyone on any of these teams we were looking at that's ranked remotely close to LeBron James this year? Uh, DeMar DeRozan. Oh, wonderful. What a perfect uh, what a perfect comparison here. DeMar DeRozan is number 34. LeBron is number 31. Those guys are actually very tight to one another this season. LeBron has 
five fewer games remaining than DeMar DeRozan does the rest of this year. Okay, so let's use an example from that same grouping. And we don't even need to use those two guys because obviously DeMar has played fewer games than LeBron because his team hasn't played. His team has played five fewer games. He's actually played seven less. He missed a couple with, uh, with personal reasons. But that's not the point of this example. This is a math problem we're working on right now. If you have someone in that 30 range that has played five games more or less than someone else in that range, it's a huge difference maker. Here's a great example. Gordon Hayward is number 25. He's played 31 games. Chris Middleton is number 36. Excuse me, 29. He's played 36 games. Those two guys are separated by four slots in ranking. Gordon Hayward has been the superior per-game player to this point. And a four-slot jump actually isn't, you know, it's not nothing when you're talking about third-round guys. That That's... uh. A four-round jump there is the same as like a 10-round or a 10-player uh, jump, I should say, uh, when you're talking about eighth, ninth-round type of guys. But if you want, we can even put a bigger gap in between these guys. Uh, Chris Boucher is ranked number 41. He's played 36 games. Gordon Hayward, as we just talked about before, is ranked number 25. He's played 31 games. So right now, you're looking at Gordon Hayward, Chris Boucher. Those guys are separated by 16 Rank slots, almost a round and a half on per game value. By totals, Gordon Hayward is number 31. A little bit tiny drop because he his, he's five games under the 36 halfway point. And the Hornets have played 35, so to his credit, he hasn't missed six games. He's missed, what the hell did we just talk about? He missed, he's missed uh, four games instead of five, but again, not a big deal by totals Chris Boucher is number 19 so he was 16 behind him and now he's 12 in front because of that five game gap between the guys but I know what you're thinking Dan I can use up these games anywhere I want so isn't it really five uh 30 uh in this particular instance, isn't it 31 games out of Gordon Hayward plus five miscellaneous games out of someone else? You're right. You are absolutely right. But who's the best? Let's say, what what are you working on here? What five games are you going to get off the waiver wire? Are you going to get a top 100 guy? Five games of a top 100 guy? Does that cover the gap between Gordon Hayward and Chris Boucher? Even though, again, Hayward was almost a round and a half above him. The answer is likely not. Likely not. Five games of a top 100 guy uh, probably doesn't climb you from Gordon Hayward all the way up uh, to Chris Boucher. And we can do this math as well. Thank you uh, to the Basketball Monster value ranking tables. Gordon Hayward to Chris Boucher, they're separated by, by totals right now by about nine one-hundredths in the value department. So that, of course, is compared to the league average numbers. So would five games of a top 100 guy get you nine one-hundredths? The answer is no. So the reason I bring this up is we can now try to find, and, and maybe there's a way to actually get guys that are closer in rank than uh, 
Boucher and Gordon Hayward, because if you offered Gordon Hayward for Chris Boucher, you'd, anybody would make that trade in a heartbeat. And it's not the right example either, because these are not the teams we're talking about. This is just, you know, what, how, how far down are you willing to go to acquire someone that has uh, a five-game gap there? If you're talking about a three-game gap, you really want to be trying to trade guys that are pretty close in ranking five game or even six game gap because there's a, a six game jump between you know the Clippers and the Spurs Clippers and the Grizzlies in this one you want to work a little bit closer so let's look at those six teams one by one and this is I, I, I hope that that theory discussion here at the beginning was actually somewhat helpful for what we can do to maximize what we're getting out of these guys in our roto leagues by trying to get guys who have more games left the Chicago Bulls, the players on the Bulls, they, they've actually had uh, a handful of pretty good fantasy players so far this year. Zach Levine, number 16 on a per-game basis. Larry Markkinen, 72. Thad Young, 79. Uh, and Wendell Carter Jr. is probably the nearest other guy at 131. The Bulls have played 34 of their 72 games so far, so they have 38 remaining so if you're sitting on someone who only has, like, say, the Lakers, 35 left, or the Clippers, 34 left, you have a chance for a three- or four-game jump. And I know what you're thinking. Should I give up, like an Anthony Davis? I mean, LeBron, I don't think you could even get Zach Levine for LeBron at this point, but obviously you should if you could. You know what? That's a good game. We'll play that game right now. I'll just go through the five teams that have played too many games to this point, and we'll tell you if you should move guys for some of the upper-crust dudes on these other teams. I, As I mentioned before, I don't think this is something you should be doing with guys that are ranked really outside the top 50. You know, you want to maximize the games played you're getting out of dudes that are positive impact players. And we've had that discussion on this podcast a thousand times. That's pretty much anybody ranked inside the top 70. Anybody inside the top 70 is having a positive impact on your fantasy team nightly. So it, for this case, as much as I love Thad Young, he's probably not a guy that you should be targeting because he has a few extra games. Not if you're moving someone else in that same neck of the woods. You just sort of, you kind of stick with it. If you can get Thad Young for someone ranked right next to him, yeah, that's fine. Like Jordan Clarkson, uh... I think the Jazz are at 36 games so far. So, yeah, maybe you can get an extra two games there. And that does give you a little bit of a gap. But, again, you know, that's not... You change the makeup of your team too much to try to squeeze an extra couple of games out of a guy that's not a, a big difference maker. So we're really only going to be looking at guys that are inside the top 50 for this exercise. For the Bulls, it's Zach Levine. For the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Nets, and Knicks... That combination of teams, you're talking about LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, Paul George, Steph. Sorry, Draymond, I know you've been better lately, but you're not in it. KD, Kyrie, James Harden, the Nets, <laughs> a trio, uh, and uh, barely on the Knicks, Julius Randle. So that's the entirety of that list. We are not going to go deeper than that. We don't need Kelly Oubre. I mean, he's been decent lately, but he doesn't make the cut. Draymond, as I mentioned, uh, Joe Harris has been good on the Nets, but he doesn't make the cut. Same kind of problem there. And then with the Knicks, uh, there really isn't anybody all that close. Maybe Mitchell Robinson, but he's not playing right now. So that kind of wipes him off of this discussion. So of all those players that I just listed, would you trade any of them for Zach Levine? 
The answer is, and I'll even talk about the guys that are ranked below him. LeBron James, yes, you trade him for Zach Levine. Anthony Davis, if someone's willing to take on AD, yeah, I actually think you do trade Anthony Davis for Zach Levine because I think Levine, dude, might seriously play in every Bulls game this year. He's probably targeting all 72, and with Anthony Davis, you might get another, I don't know, 20 to 25 out of him. And I know on a per-game basis, there's a very real chance that AD comes back and he's better than Levine on a per-game basis. But there's almost no way that you're going to find someone on the waiver wire that's as good as whatever you'd need to cover what might really be a 10- to 12-game gap between those two guys. It's insane, but you got to try it. you got to try it. I had somebody offer me Anthony Davis for Christian Wood in a league that I was in, and I, I turned it down for that, for that very reason. The Rockets are on this uh, this list on on the the low side. I think I don't I don't think I would have turned I think I would have turned that down even if they weren't on the low side of games played so far. But you know Christian Wood could max out at thirty eight remaining games. There's no way that by totals Anthony Davis gets anywhere near him the rest of the way. But I'm getting sidetracked here. Clippers, uh, Paul George, yeah, you'd move Paul George for Zach Levine right now. No question. No question. Paul George, maximum of 34 remaining games. Kawhi Leonard is a questionable one um, because there is a pretty good gap between what Levine's done and what Kawhi has done so far this year. Uh, Levine has played four more games than Kawhi to this point in the season, and um, he still sits just behind him by totals so far. So I think I'm probably sticking with Kawhi there. Uh, you assume that Zach Levine might miss a ball game or two somewhere along the way. There's a four-game gap between those guys, and so you're you're rolling uh, a huge die that Levine can keep his percentages where they are. He's basically maxed out, and Kawhi is kind of where he's at at this point. So that's one where I would say, no, I'm not making that move for Zach Levine. Steph Curry, same thing, not too good. He's too good. I don't care about getting the extra ball games out of Levine. I'm keeping Steph. Uh, Harden, you are sticking, you're sticking with Harden. Kevin Durant, uh, I think you probably move him for Zach Levine, actually. I know he's been a lot better than Zach, but he's only played 19 games at this point, and they're going to kid glove him the rest of the way. So you're probably looking, KD's been around the Kawhi Leonard neighborhood in terms of his production so far this year, but I think his games played might be even lower, and so that's where Levine probably jumps over him. Those two guys, uh, this is actually a good point to stop and point out that KD is actually number 73 by total so far, uh, where Zach Levine is number 10. So it's really not even all that close. Kyrie Irving, um, yeah, you move him for Zach Levine also. They're very close on a per-game basis. Levine has played in eight more games than Kyrie to this point, and you want that bump. You can't get that bump playing eight games of some rando. Levine, number 10. Kyrie is number 25. They're separated by quite a lot. Again, you can't get that much production out of a streamer. Can't cover that gap. And the Knicks, I mean, obviously, Julius Randle, you'd make that trade, but the other side wouldn't, so that one goes down the toilet. Uh, The Wizards, the next team on our list of under games to this point. Wizards have played 34. They had a couple postponed. They made up a couple already, so it's not quite as severe as it could have been had we had this discussion about three weeks ago. Uh, But they're still at 34, so they still have 38 games remaining, which makes Bradley Beal a target 
for those of us to pick up. No, Russell Westbrook is not a target on this team. Please, good God, no. Good God, no. I, you know, I, I think Russ is actually moving up the board little by little, but no one else is close on this team. Bradley Beal's number 11. Thomas Bryant was inside the top 90 when he got hurt. No one else on the team is inside the top 150 to this point. So that one is uh, a far cry from any real target. And, and at least the Bulls had a couple other guys that were in the ballpark. Larry Markinen, you could make an argument for if you thought he was healthy. Thad, you could make an argument for. The Wizards are an easy one. It's Beal or bust. So we'll play the same game again. LeBron for Bradley Beal. Beal. AD for Bradley Beal. You go Beal again. Kawhi and Paul George. I think either way, you take Bradley Beal here. Beal played two more games than Kawhi in the first half of the season, and he's in front of him. Two-game gap was all it took for Beal to move in front of Kawhi Leonard. And if you're wondering about possible shutdown stuff. Oh, will Beal miss games down the stretch? Guys, Kawhi Leonard is going to also miss games down the stretch. The Wizards are 14-20. and 20. They're 7-3 and three their last 10 ball games. They're actually only two games out of the play-in spot, so they're not throwing in the towel. So there's a very real chance that Beal, if he's not traded, is going full bore the rest of the way. So I wouldn't worry about that stuff either. Um, so both Kawhi and Paul George are, are interesting candidates. And actually, those are... Not that hard to do because you're not making a massive shift in your fantasy game either. Beal, Paul George, their fantasy stat sets are not that far apart this year. PG uh, a bit better in field goal percent, which is weird and probably trending down and higher three-pointer numbers. And then Beal just insane scoring so far this year where where he's separated himself. I don't think you could get Beal for Paul George, really. So maybe that's not... Maybe that's not relevant. Maybe you throw in a kicker if you can do it. Um, but I wouldn't give up too much there. What You might be able to get Beal for Kawhi Leonard at this point. Because Kawhi has been better on a per-game basis. And probably will continue to be. But, again, you're talking about a possible four-game gap. Before we get to the third team on our underboard today, I want to remind you guys of our running promo. Our running promo, which is... Rate the podcast, win cash with us here on Fantasy NBA Today. You rate the podcast over on iTunes or the podcast app on your mobile device, and you have a chance to win money. Win money to play with over at mybookie.ag. Very simple to do. Open up the podcast app on your mobile device or iTunes on a computer. Make sure you're logged into your iTunes account or borrow someone else's phone and do it on theirs. Search, use the search function either on the podcast app or in the podcast tab on iTunes. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title. If you're on a phone, scroll down on that page. If you're on the computer, if you're on iTunes, you click on the show title, there's actually another tab, sort of a more internal tab for rating and review. Leave a five-star review, write something funny, and screenshot it to Dan Bespris on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, or email to Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. Please use the subject line podcast review so I can find it. We've had some float into the spam folder and they're really hard to find if it just has you know no subject line or something short and cryptic. Podcast review. That's what I'm looking for when I'm pulling these things out. We will be drawing a winner. It's official. We have enough su- submissions at this point. So get yourself involved. If we can pile up a bunch more, I can even make the prize bigger. So that'll be a lot of fun. That's our Rate the Show promo going right now here on fantasy nba today let's continue team number three on the underside 
And this one, I guess, is a little bit more interesting because the Spurs are at number are at 32 games played instead of 34. So they're way down the board in terms of uh, what they've done so far, way up the board in terms of remaining games. They actually have two players who currently sit inside the top 50. DeMar DeRozan at 34, DeJounte Murray at 49. He is right on the cusp, which is going to make this a little bit more difficult. I also, by the way, believe that Derek White, once healthy, is more like a top 70 kind of guy. So he's close, but doesn't quite fit our criteria. And also there's kind of a ramp-up period for him. So for our purposes right now, trying to maximize top-tier games being played on your Roto Ledger, he doesn't fit the mold. So just DeRozan and DeJounte Murray. We'll play our game one more time. Would I trade LeBron for either of those two guys? The DeRozan one is actually kind of close which I I think is going to freak people out and if you made that trade if you traded away LeBron James for DeMar DeRozan your league might veto the trade thinking that you've lost your mind but here's the thing and we just talked about this a minute ago look at guys in that neck of the woods there's a five game gap between those two dudes I want to remind you guys of how big a deal that is for actual per game value DeMar DeRozan is at uh, 29 games played Malcolm Brogdon is four slots behind him so they're very close not exactly the same uh, but quite close Malcolm Brogdon has played five additional games he's at 34 games played so far this year so those two guys again ranked 34th and 38th on a per game basis in nine cat Brogdon leapfrogs him by uh, a fair amount. Brogdon is number 26 by totals, uh, and DeMar DeRozan falls to number 49. So that ends up with a 23-player gap between those guys because of a five-games-played jump. You think you could get five top 100 games would cover the gap between DeMar and Malcolm Brogdon this year? The answer is a hard no, and it's really not even that close. Might get you halfway between those two maybe gets you halfway between those two like maybe gets you from demar to number 36 or 7 or something like that and that's what you're i i know this is insane you guys are listening to the podcast going could i really do this lebron five games less left on the year than demar Derozan. So if that happened again with these two guys where there was a five-game gap, now, to his credit, LeBron played in all but one of the Lakers' first half games. DeMar did miss three Spurs games. So maybe it doesn't even out quite so beautifully. But you could make a very real case that playing DeMar and hoping he's in there for the bulk of the Spurs' remaining 38, sorry, 40 ball games would be worth more than LeBron playing the bulk of the Lakers' remaining 35. And then you're thinking, well, what does it mean playoff-wise? Spurs are 18 and 14, folks. are four games over 500. They've actually been pretty good so far this year, particularly on the road, for whatever reason. So they are in the playoffs, and even if they go into a serious tailspin, uh, they're going to be in a pretty good fight. They're going to be in a pretty good fight for those last few spots. I don't expect them to go to a tailspin either. From the math would tell us 
that trading LeBron for DeMar is not a bad idea. The thing that might steer us in a different direction would be if you think LeBron's actually going to be better in the second half of the year. Because 31 is pretty damn low for him. Even even in a down year with minimal off time, uh, 31 is pretty, pretty crazy low. I mean, LeBron was... I mean, he wasn't a, a world beater last year at number 16. He wasn't a first-rounder. But, you know, he had 10 assists last season. That number is down. That is, I mean, that's really the big thing for him this year is the assists have, have tapered off by about two and a half per ball game. Steals are a little bit lower. The other stuff is not all that far off from kind of the season-over-season season sync. So, so if you think his assists are going to trend up a little bit, I don't know that I do. I think this might just kind of be the year he's having. Uh, then maybe you hold off on that. But if you think this is who he is, you trade him for someone ranked nearby who's got five more games. What about Anthony Davis? Because even at his worst this year, he's still a mid-second rounder on a per-game basis. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, you probably also trade him for DeMar. Although I think you could do better. So that would be the, that would be the reason to say no. But if that was the only one, the only opportunity you had to move AD, like I think you could move Anthony Davis for someone else who's not, you're not just targeting the five-game jump. You might be able to get someone who maybe has a couple games on him but actually is just going to be better than DeMar the rest of the way. Uh, Like maybe someone where there's like three or four-game jump but they're ranked a little bit higher. Uh, But if, if DeMar was the only thing you were choosing against and Anthony Davis... By the time he comes back, is probably looking at, again, I think your number there is probably between 20 and 25 games left. If DeMar plays 40 and AD plays 25, DeMar's better. If you're in a playoff, again, this is Roto. This is not playoff, and that also does kind of blow up your league, uh, your settings a little bit. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard on the Clippers side. This is actually, this is crazy. This is a six-game leap, and... Uh, Kawhi, by the way, that's a no. There's just too big of a gap there. I know that a six games is a big deal, but Kawhi's a, a early to mid first rounder. So even with the big jump in games, that's too much to give up. Uh, Paul George is close. Paul George is close because Paul George right now is about a round and a half ahead of DeMar on a per game basis. And we can actually do a pretty good comparison here. Um, Jeremy Grant has played 33 games. Paul George has played 27. Those guys are separated by almost the exact same marker as DeMar DeRozan so far this year. Uh, Because of missed games, Paul George is actually just behind Jeremy Grant by totals. But I do believe that Paul George plus six streamer games would move you past Jeremy Grant. So that's too much to give up, and Paul George becomes a no for me. I'm not moving either of my Clippers for DeMar DeRozan or, obviously, for DeJounte Murray because he's right at the back end of all that stuff. Uh, The Warriors, Steph, you're not moving him. Nets, none of the three guys uh, you're moving for DeMar DeRozan. KD would be the closest just because he might be out for a little bit, but no. And then, obviously, Julius Randle, yes, you move him for DeMar DeRozan because of the five-game jump and also because uh, Julius is ranked behind him. Here's a more interesting one. Julius Randle for DeJounte Murray. The answer, I believe, is yes. Because they're actually pretty close in per-game ranking. Uh, DeJounte's seven slots behind Randall, who's having 
a career year in every possible way. Murray is, in my estimation, actually possibility to get a little bit better than number 49. Take your Julius Randle, move him for DeJounte Murray, do it today, uh, and get the guy who's got an extra five games the rest of the way. In fact, well, this is sort of the flip-flop. Uh, Julius has actually played five more games than Murray to this point. Fun, right? I think DeJounte's played in every game for the uh, for each of these two teams. I think both these teams have played, or both these guys have played in every game so far. So you just stretch that out and you flip them. Uh, DeJounte had 40 left. Randall would have 35. He would be better. And he'd be better to the point where uh, you wouldn't be able to cover the gap with pickups. How do I know this? Well, let's take an example of other guys in that same neck of the woods. Um, Michael Porter Jr. has played in 26 games. He's ranked in that neck of the woods. And well, we don't have a 31, actually. That's that's a little bit annoying. How about Pascal Siakam in 30 games, Demonis Sabonis in 35? Those guys are separated by a little bit less, actually, than the Julius Randle to DeJounte Murray jump. But it'll work for our perspective. Pascal, again, 30, uh, 30 games. Demonis Sabonis, 35. Pascal, number 46 per game. Sabonis, 51 per game. You flip it over to totals. This is how we play this game. Demonis Sabonis, now number 34. Pascal Siakam falls all the way to 55. Could you make that up with five top 100 games? Probably not. So, there's your move. You probably move Julius Randle for DeJounte Murray. I know this stuff is is a little bit surprising. The Mavs, only 34 games to this point. But, who cares? <laughs> Mavs are Luka, Kristaps Porzingis, and everybody else. Um, it's worth discussing. It's worth discussing. Luka's a really tough guy to pry away, but let's play the game again. Would you trade LeBron for Luka? Yes, you would. Would you trade Anthony Davis for Luka? Yes, you would at this point because of the game gap and whatever else is going on. Kawhi? Mm, nope. Keeping Kawhi. Paul George? Yes. Paul George, you would trade for Luka. Steph? No. Kyrie? Yes. KD? Yes. Harden? No. Randall, obviously, yes. What about Porzingis? This is uh, a little bit of a tougher case to make because he's likely to miss a few games the rest of the way. LeBron, no. AD, no. Neither Clippers, Steph, uh, Randall. Um, I guess LeBron is your closest to a yes, but he's just so much more durable. So, uh, no, I don't think I trade any of these guys other than Julius Randall for Kristaps Porzingis. I don't care about the extra games remaining. I don't think he plays in all 38 of their remaining games. Let's do the Rockets next. We'll finish with the Grizzlies. The Houston Rockets, they are a situation. Christian Wood is a really interesting target right about now. Uh, 38 games remaining. He's likely to play out of the All-Star break here in a couple of days. Uh, Victor Oladipo, number 80. John Wall, by the way, is number 158. Yeah, and it's like it's not even in the ballpark of good fantasy value. 21.6 assists, a steal. He will get you a little bit of blockage from that point guard spot, but he misses a bunch of games, so don't care. Victor Oladipo, same issue. They might trade him, and he sits back-to-backs. So, again, that wipes out the possibility for turning these guys having extra ball games into value. Christian Wood is the one guy who, and he might even sit a back-to-back here and there, so you have to be a little bit cautious, but he's your one target on the Rockets at this point. LeBron, would I trade him for Wood? I would not. 
Anthony Davis for Christian Wood? I actually would. I know that's insane because in a lot of spots that I've I've sort of hemmed and hawed a little bit more on the... Well, you know what? Maybe I would trade LeBron. Backtrack. Uh, let's backtrack a little. The rest days for Christian Wood in this second half are the reason that I would second-guess this decision. This decision Because the Rockets, to, to jam all of these games in in the second half, they got back-to-backs coming left and right. They've got one this week. They've got one next week. They've got one March 26th and 27th. They have three before this month is even over. They have an additional three in April. And I think just uh, one in May. So seven? I mean, we talked about seven rest days there. That more than covers the gap between those two guys. So suddenly now you're talking about the Rockets. Would Christian Wood play a maximum of 31 games versus 38? LeBron still would have 35. So, yeah, no, I think I'll stick with LeBron there. Anthony Davis, the reason that I was saying yes is that he and Wood are actually ranked pretty close. Um, I think Wood plays more games the rest of the way than AD. So, yes, Anthony Davis, I would trade for Christian Wood. The reason this one is different is because you're not trading down. It's not LeBron for DeRozan, who's ranked slightly behind him, is a guy above, but also missing a bunch of ballgames, probably. For the Clippers, Paul George, yes, you flip him. Uh, no, sorry, excuse me. Uh, yes, you stay with Paul George is what I meant to say there because, again, I know there's a four-game gap but I'm grading Christian Wood on playing about 31 of their remaining 38 games. So uh, I think Julius Randle is probably, and Anthony Davis, are probably the only two guys that I would move for Christian Wood on this list because AD's not playing that many games and Randle's ranked way behind him. KD is maybe, depending on how hurt we think he is at this point. So the Rockets were actually a relatively easy one. It's why I wanted to do them before we did the Grizzlies last because the Grizzlies are super weird in that they're a team that doesn't really have fantasy players so far this year. Let's break down the Grizzlies, but first, but first, I want to remind you guys of what we got going on over at hoop-ball.com. Number one. The Bruised Letter, edition two, is a podcast, a secret podcast that only those of you on the email list get access to. Aaron Bruski blew out his arm. He called it the Tom Thibodeau treatment. Typed too many words for too many years, and his arm doesn't work right now. So Aaron got on the horn and recorded a one hour and 45 minute special podcast that covers all 30 teams and over 200 players Basically broke down half the league in a special Bruise Letter audio edition, which you can sign up for by going to the shortened link, bit.ly, bit.ly, bit.ly slash Bruise Letter 2021. Bruise Letter spelled like newsletter with BR at the beginning, so don't change any of the other letters in the word. B-R-E-W-S letter 2021. Bitly slash Bruise Letter 2021. Sign up immediately because that secret link is going out tomorrow to get your secret Bruise Letter podcast. So get on that list immediately. That should be a lot of fun. That's free, by the way. All you got to do is get on the email list, so that's completely free. What's not free is our premium stuff, and I really want you guys checking this out. If you haven't already, please go to hoop-ball.com, 
click on the, uh, you don't even have to click on it actually, just hover over the premium tab at the top of the page. If you click on it, nothing happens. And then check out some of the bundles. There's the Fantasy Pass, Hoopball 360. There's the Wager Pass, the DFS Pass. DFS Pass is just $1.99, gets you our guys' DFS lineups daily and Discord chats. The Wager Pass is destroying right now. We added four new handicappers to our arsenal here at Hoopball. So now I believe there are uh, 10? Are we at 10 handicappers now? Yeah, we got 10 handicappers all in one package. That's just $9.99 a month. Uh, and the four guys, the four new guys right now have combined to win over 20 units in basically like two weeks, which is insane that they've all been doing so well all at the same time. So really excited about what we're offering there on the wager pass. Analysis and plays from 10 handicappers in every sport you can think of. Okay, not everyone you can think of, but most of them. College basketball, soccer, golf, hockey, all going on right now during the All-Star break. Blake, for instance, perfect 4-0 sweep on his college plays yesterday. He's 15-3 since joining up with us here at Hoop Ball. That's crazy. Everything is tracked. Everything is written up. Uh, you have access to every play that these guys have made uh, through previous wager pass threads. So that's $9.99 a month. If you're doing any betting whatsoever, that's the place to go. Because they'll get you stuff on all the different sports, things that you might not even know about. And the one thing, and then you go, obviously you've got the fantasy pass as well, but the one thing I really want to stress is that we got to get you guys into the Discord on all of this stuff. Please use the premium Discord. It's such an unbelievable service. You can tag our pros in questions. We have live chats in the wager pass thread. There's guys talking while the games are going on. Everybody puts their plays in there. It's stellar and just an unreal add to our hoop ball arsenal for this year. Let's finish up with the Grizzlies because they don't have a single player inside the top 50. But I do believe that there is one thing you could do, and that would be to explore someone like a Jonas Valanciunas, who's having kind of a weird year, actually. He's number 88 on a per-game base. I know Slow-Mo actually is the highest-ranked player on the team. Uh, Brandon Clark is at number 92. So they've got a bunch of guys, John Morant at 114. They've got all these guys that are sort of hovering in that area. For JV, the stuff that's gone wrong from this year is that his field goal percent is down from 58 last year to 54 this year on almost the same number of shots. Actually, he's taken more shots this season. Uh, but the fact that his field goal percent is having that negative impact, or not negative, but smaller positive impact, is a big deal. And he's also blocking only 0.7 shots per game where he was at 1.1 last year. So that's a big difference. And if you think that either of those things trends back towards a previous season, he would be a top 50 guy. But he's not someone you move one of your other top 50 guys for. He's someone that maybe you target because he has 40 games left and you think, okay, well, maybe this guy does play at a top 60 clip the rest of the way. Look at some of those players that are a little bit farther out on the teams we were talking about. And I realized that the teams we were discussing didn't have guys that were, I mean, we we're very much feast or famine on the teams that have played too many games. Lakers are sort of a two-man operation. But like if you have Montrez Harrell, I don't know if you could get JV for Montrez. Probably not, knowing what we know. Where where the where the heck is Harrell this year? 103? Yeah, you're not going to get him. Not enough. Thinking of Robin Williams as the genie in, in Aladdin when he's turning him into different things, and he stops and goes, not enough. 
Not enough. Uh, Warriors, Dre's actually been kind of better than that lately, so you're probably not giving that up. And then, you know, maybe like a Joe Harris. I don't know if that would get it done, but Joe's been number 84. Very consistent 84 pretty much all season long. That's ranked higher than JV. There's an interesting little buy low, sell high pairing. And the Knicks, would you trade a Nerlens Noel for him? You probably wouldn't get him. I don't think it'd be enough. People don't trust that Nerlens going to put up value uh, after Mitchell Robinson comes back. And they might be right. They might be right. I mean, I think he'll have some, but probably not all that much. So that's one that you probably look at more from just a traditional buy low perspective because, you know, extra three or four games out of a top 90 guy is not really what you want to spend all of your roto games cap on uh but there's a possibility that he does play better the rest of the way we don't know maybe it doesn't level out maybe it does and that ladies and gentlemen is how you turn your top picks on teams that have played too many games into top picks on teams that haven't played enough games even if at times it looks like you're giving up more than you're getting back the subtleties of the fantasy landscape once again, rate and review the podcast, screenshot it, get yourself into the contest, check out hoop-ball.com, get yourself some premium goodies, and we'll tell you about more of our advertisers on tomorrow's show when we break down some of the schedule stuff from a head-to-head perspective. I am Dan Bespris. You spell it, you find me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, uh, or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. This was Fantasy NBA Today, your Tuesday edition. Back at you tomorrow. Same time? Eh, maybe. Same rough time. Definitely the same place because I haven't left in 363 days. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.